And if you have not yet done so, click the follow button so you never miss another podcast episode. Also, if you want more motivational stories in your feed, you can follow me right now on social media at Matteo Grosso Coach. Today, we are starting a new series on communication, which is, in my opinion, the most versatile skill you can ever develop in your life. What do getting a raise at work, resolving conflict with your partner, and becoming a leader of the football team have in common? Well, all of them have in common the ability to communicate effectively. The series includes storytelling, negotiation techniques, and much, much more. And today I will give you five techniques you can use to become an effective storyteller. I decided to start with this because it is a rather difficult skill to hone, to master, and these tips can definitely help you. Of course, we should always give credit where credit is due. These insights come from a variety of speakers, mainly a webinar which I found very helpful, very interesting, from Simone Heng, a world-known speaker of human connection. I never realized how powerful of a storyteller I was. Until my friends made me notice that whenever I tell a story, the story lends the right way to the audience. And I therefore asked myself, what did I do that helped me tell powerful stories? And what is it that you can do today to have people hanging from your lips? Well, it turns out that there are five main um, storytelling techniques. If you master these techniques, your communication will be extremely effective. The first technique you can use is called the theater of the mind. This technique is frequently used by radio broadcasters. Theater of the mind means creating a picture, a play, in the mind of your audience. For instance, Simone talks about a movie on Netflix where there are two Americans uh, who have to go to Mexico, but their flights get cancelled. They promised everyone they would go to Mexico and uh, as soon as the flights get cancelled, they panic. They're like, oh my God, what do we do now? We have to find a solution. We told everyone we would be in Mexico right now. Um, so instead of telling the truth, <laughs> they go to a hotel room, they invite Spanish speaking people and they ask them to speak Spanish in the background as background noise. Now, the interesting thing is that the story that we perceive as audience is that these two Americans are, as a matter of fact, in Mexico. If you want to use the theater of the mind technique, you need a very visual language and evocative sounds. Let's say, for example, that in my story, I knock on a door, okay? There is a difference between saying, I arrived in front of the door, I knocked on the door, I entered in the room and I saw da, da, da. and saying, I got in front of the door. As soon as I entered, I saw da, da, da. See, when I knock on the table, 
the listener, you who are listening to me, can figure out by yourself that I knocked on the door. Right? I didn't have to tell you. If I do, you know that I'm knocking on the door. And this is what distinguishes a good storyteller from a master storyteller. A master storyteller doesn't need to give you all the details because he or she helps you imagine everything by yourself. If I'm telling a story and two people are in, are in my story, I can modify my, modify my voice to, to make it sound younger, older, lower tonality, higher tonality, etc. Unfortunately, unfortunately, many speakers tell a story rather than describing it to the audience. What's the difference between the two? Well, let's say, for instance, that I say, my parents and I fight sometimes. One day I found out they were sick. Then I forgave them. What's the emotion? What's the feeling that people get when they hear this story? Nothing, close to nothing. They don't feel anything because it's not effective. I'm just telling a story step by step, but there is no emotion. There is no suspense in the story. So how can you effectively use the theater of the mind? The number one way to create the theater of the mind coming from Lisa Nichols, a communication expert, is that you should show people the story instead of telling them the story. And this, my friends, is an art. How can you show people the story? Well, you do that by telling people what you were thinking, what you were feeling, what you were sensing. Describe the, to the audience what you saw, what you touched, what you smelled, what you tasted, and what you heard. And let the audience create the story in their own heads. Don't give all the details. The reason why you want to use all the five senses is that people are different. The audience is different. And you have to take into account when you tell a story. Some people in the audience will be very visual and very emotional. Therefore, describing that you saw an old lady sitting on the bench and she was in tears and you gave her a hug, this gives those people an emotion. But other people rely on touch. So you can describe a crack in the furniture, in the old furniture. Or you could say the snow was on the pines was very cold. Other people rely on smell. So you can describe how the old house smelled like, a mix of uh, mold and dust, right? So use the senses to broadcast ideas to people. And remember, let them imagine everything, which is not necessary. So for instance, as a final example here, let's say I describe you, my mom, okay? If I show you a picture of my mom, and, and then I talk about my mom, it doesn't matter what I say, you have already an idea in your mind about my mom. What if I describe my mom to you? Each one of you will imagine, will in, in your own head, my mom, right? And this is what a good storyteller does, okay? So the theater of the mind is really 
Create a picture, a play in the mind of the audience and let them imagine everything which is not necessary for the story. The second technique is called the cliffhanger effect. This technique is used in thriller movies. David J.V. Phillips has a TED talk on storytelling where he talks about the chemicals that get elicited in our brain, in our body when we tell stories. What's the cliffhanger effect about? Well, imagine I have to tell you a key piece of information and I make you wait 10 minutes before I finally reveal it to you. How frustrating is this? I leave you hanging before revealing the key piece of information. Edutainers use it pretty well when they say, for instance, today I will give you three tips to make one million dollars in one month. The last one is the most important. And they're like, no, wait, wait a second. I want to know now why leaving it last. And the reason is that the cliffhanger effect builds the focus hormone, which is dopamine. Eliciting dopamine is the, like building suspense uh, while uh, watching a thriller movie. Oh boy, into the woods, uh, tense piano sounds, a river whose level rises and rises. These all build suspense. So instead, instead of telling people you had a panic attack, for instance, and then describing the symptoms, tell the symptoms first and then reveal it was a panic attack. In doing this, you make the audience wonder about the what and the why. People love drawing conclusions in their head, even if many times the conclusions are wrong. Um, but if you say, for instance, I started shaking, people will be like, why? Why did he start shaking? Um, was, uh, was he um, cold? Uh, was he frightened? And then you say, oh, I had a panic, panic attack. Okay. A great example comes from Oprah Winfrey. In 2018, Oprah Winfrey won the Cecil DeMille Award of the uh, 75th uh, Golden Globes. And the speech she gave, guys, was so amazing that she got called to run as president of the United States. <laughs> what did she say in the speech? How, why was it so powerful? Well, she knew how to storytell. She started honoring a previous African-American award recipient uh, named Sidney Poitier. And the crowd started wondering, why is she honoring another person's, a person in her speech? Where is she going? Let's wait, she must have a point, right? Here comes the dopamine. She left them hanging. Therefore, begin with the story that has suspense. The third technique is a metaphor. This is what some of us know already. There is no other story technique that builds images as quickly as a metaphor. When you tell a story, you can juxtapose something in your story and something the audience knows really well. For instance, Ed Sheeran uses this technique in his songs. One of his songs is about a drug addict and in the lyrics he says, wasted skin crumbling like pastries. We can immediately imagine the wrinkled skin of a heroin or methamphetamine addict. I remember also Simone Heng used a beautiful metaphor in her webinar. Um, she said something along the lines of, my mother was a tiger and later on she was a bird with a broken wing. You can immediately understand how strong she once was and how weak her mother was at the end of her life. 
The fourth technique is called word economy. This is the technique which is unbelievably powerful. Unfortunately, most of us don't know how to use it because if we have to explain something, we tend to go very long. But word economy is such a powerful storytelling technique. If you are an entertainer and you shoot uh, 30 second videos, you are familiar with this technique. Um, if you are in the broadcasting world and you have got only 30 seconds to talk over the intro of a song or uh, the news, you are familiar with this technique. You know that every single word you choose needs to be chosen with care. When you are live, you do not have a second chance. You must get it right at the first attempt, right? So how can you convey a lot of information with a few words? That's the question, right? Try to use words that have the most evocative visual meaning. Once again, Oprah's speech is absolutely brilliant. She said, in, I'm quoting you, right? Uh, the exact sentence, as I sat on the linoleum floor. First of all, that's word economy, because we immediately get the visual sense of a sticky wooden floor. But furthermore, and even more importantly, we get a good grasp on the context. By the 1950s, linoleum was not largely used in America. So having it in the 60s when Oprah Winfrey was young would have been out of date, out of style. And this hints to a lower economic area. So a simple word brought a huge amount of meaning for the recipients. We could understand the economic and social condition of Oprah Winfrey, and we can imagine her sitting on the wooden floor. Oprah Winfrey didn't say, oh, I was so poor when I was a child. She didn't say that. But just by her saying, I was sitting on the linoleum floor, we know that. And that's the master storyteller work. work. And finally, humor. You can use humor even in the darkest times. Everyone loves laughing. And if you can make your audience laugh, I can ensure you will succeed as a speaker. For instance, let's say uh, my parents told me like, oh, do whatever you want in life, but please, please, please don't become an international speaker. That's such a dangerous job. <laughs> this is funny because it's ridiculous. There is nothing scary in being a speaker, but of course, from their perspective, which is the point of view of people who thought working at the bank was the highest possible accomplishment in life, being in front of an audience who judges you can be considered scary, right? Humor is human connection gold. Humor is contagious. Um, try, for instance, uh, when you go out in the street, on the street, try to smile at someone. I don't know if you know, but uh, in our brain, we have, we have mirror neurons um, which are designed for quicker adaptation. And if you smile at someone, 90% of the times, they will smile uh, at you. And humor is important for two chemicals David J.P. Phillips talks about in his TED talk, oxytocin and endorphins. Humor, first of all, releases the social bonding hormone of oxytocin because we see ourselves mirror and reflected back in the emotions of other people. 
we feel connected to a shared experience that is happening. It also gives people um, that are receiving your funny face a lot of emotional information uh, about you. If the whole room was laughing, for instance, and one person was standing still, you would be given some information about the emotional state of that person. And secondly, humor also releases endorphins that make us feel good. Endorphin is the feel-good hormone. So if you are a naturally funny person and you have wit, um, clever humor, you have that kind of real comic timing, use that to incite good stories, good vibes and connection from your audience. Remember, when you storytell, people will always remember how you made them feel. So use it, okay? That's what I've got for today's episode. If you like this episode on storytelling, please share it with someone you know and love. And if you could share it in your Instagram stories and tag me, Matteo Grasso Coach, it would be amazing. The only way we grow and impact more people is if you guys share it. So I greatly, greatly appreciate all of you to make your life a masterpiece. See you next week. I appreciate you and I hope you have an amazing day.